Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is Brian Lair's Daily Politics Podcast from WNYC Studios. It's Wednesday, November 15th. I'm Bridget Bergen, senior reporter in the WNYC in Gothamist Newsroom, filling in for Brian today. As a country, we were on the precipice of major uncertainty again. A looming government shutdown just before the holidays, and in one bright spot from an otherwise really weird day in Congress, we will talk about the almost fistfights another time, House members passed a stopgap measure to continue funding the government. On this vote, the yeas are 336, the nays are 95. Two-thirds being in the affirmative, the rules are suspended. The bill is passed, and without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. By all accounts, that is very good news for the economy. A major source of uncertainty is off the table. But will that help bolster the moods of Americans in terms of how they feel about their personal finances? It's too soon to know for sure, but there's definitely room for improvement. Of all the takeaways from the New York Times-Siena College poll released last week, more than half of those polled said that Biden's policies had hurt them personally. The Federal Reserve's recently released Survey of Consumer Finances, however, paints a dramatically different picture. Comparing Americans' net worth and income to that of three years ago, Americans in every income bracket saw sustainable gains in their net worth. If the economy has been improving post-COVID, whether as a result of President Biden's policies or something else, then why don't Americans feel that way? Joining me now to talk about that gap between the mostly positive economic indicators and how Americans perceive the state of the economy is James Sirwicky, a contributing writer for The Atlantic and the author of The Wisdom of Crowds. James, welcome back to WNYC. Thanks for having me on. Let's talk about your latest piece in The Atlantic. You looked at the numbers from the Federal Reserve's survey of consumer finances, as I mentioned in the intro. It shows that Americans in every income bracket saw substantial gains with the biggest gains registered by people in the middle and upper upper middle brackets. So where or maybe how is net worth growing for middle and upper middle class Americans? Yeah, so the survey of consumer finances, just a little bit of background, is a survey that the Fed, does, the Federal Reserve does uh, every three years. So it only comes out every three years, and it's really detailed. They uh, they have this you know professional surveyors uh, survey company look at uh, interview people and and really go in depth into people's uh, net worth, their income, the whole thing. And and this particular survey uh, was done, and because of that, it takes a long time. So what this survey looked at was people's net worth their sort of balance home balance sheets um, as of 2022 and they compared it to 2019 which was right before the pandemic and was the last time that the uh, survey had been done and as you said what they found was that uh, pretty much across the board uh, americans in every income bracket or wealth quintile whatever you want to call it uh, saw gains um, the biggest gains were for people in the middle and sort of the upper middle like the 70 to 80 90 percent uh, of the of the um of the of the income spectrum mm-hmm. um and i think that the the biggest source of those gains predictably was the increase in the value of people's homes um which was uh very impressive and 
that's almost by definition. You know, most Americans, uh, their homes are their biggest asset. Um, for a lot of Americans, it's almost their only asset. Um, <laughs> and so uh, the 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 increase in the in home values translated into you know a very large increase in uh, their net worth. But we also saw increases in people's financial assets. So in part, that's the stock market, but we also just the amount of money people had in the bank went up as well. Uh, people paid down debt. Um, and one thing to keep in mind is that these numbers are all uh, median numbers. So, you know, they're really looking at they're not it's not just, oh, well, a few people at the top did really well and that skewed the whole thing. It's when you look at the median net worth of literally the average American, it rose by something like 37 percent between 2019 and 2022, you know, which is a substantial gain. And yet the New York Times Siena College poll was getting a lot of traction in the media this past week. Other recent surveys show much of the same. Only 21 percent of those surveys said that their finances had improved under Biden's presidency. That's according to a bank rate poll. 33% surveyed said that they were actually worse off financially under the Biden administration. That's according to an ABC News Washington Post poll. So what specifically do you think Americans are reacting to, Jim? James? I think the simple answer is inflation. Uh, you know, you mentioned the sticker shock at the grocery store. And uh, I think that is the primary driver of the way that people feel about the economy. Gas prices as well, uh, even though, you know, gas prices have been relatively stable now for, for I, I don't know, a year or so, you know, they're still significantly higher than they were, certainly when Biden took office and certainly than they were at the at the bottom of the uh, the pandemic um, in sort of 2020. Um, and I think it's really that. I think inflation is, uh, we had, we just don't have that much experience with inflation uh, in, you know, for a lot of people. I mean, it's really been, I mean, literally decades, uh, with the exception of a little spike in like 2006, 2007, it's really been decades since we've had what felt like significant inflation. And uh, I think people are just, we're shocked by it. I mean, almost kind of literally. And I think that, that that's the, the biggest thing. Hmm. And, and the thing that's striking about it is that um, the reality is, so, you know, the net worth thing, the, the survey of consumer finances, okay, that's, you know, the value of people's homes went up or whatever. And you could say, all right, that's not real money. It's hard to tap it or whatever it is. But, you know, real wages for the vast majority of Americans are now higher than they were in 2019. Uh, even after, even when you take inflation into account, um, you know, the wage gains people have enjoyed have been substantial enough that something like 80% of Americans uh, actually have higher real wages than they did in 2019. Uh, but I think that the reality is, is that the inflation that people see and feel uh, has just been really so powerful that it's kind of overshadowed everything. Um, and the, the the bleakness of consumers have actually felt better about the economy uh, or they were feeling better about the economy between like May 2023 and sort of September. Then the last two months, for whatever reason, they've gotten gloomier again. But but. You know, if you go back to, say, middle of 2022, which is when inflation was really high, real wages were still, you know, had not fully recovered. Um, Americans were were more depressed about the economy than they were at the 
basically near the bottom of the global financial crisis in 2009. And, you know, the economy was in a lot better shape in 2022 than in 2009. Sure. But- it inflation was high and it just bummed people out. Hmm. It, James, have you dug into the data from any of these polls in terms of how this dissatisfaction breaks down, say, between income brackets uh, or, you know, even party lines? Uh, is this a case of richer Americans being dissatisfied with government spending on programs or is it more complicated than that? Or are there some partisan issues that are, are driving how people feel about the economy? So there are certainly partisan issues, uh, and that has been the case, uh, you know, in in polls now for uh, many years. Um, so Republicans, in particular, feel much worse when uh, about the economy when a Democrat is president, and much better when a Republican is in office. the 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 best example of this was that if you looked at uh, 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 people's attitudes toward the economy in January 2017. So December 2016 or whatever, November 2016 to January 2017. So right after Trump got elected, uh, before the election, Republicans were incredibly gloomy about the economy. And as soon as Trump took office, the their perceptions of the economy spiked massively. So obviously nothing had really changed about the fundamentals of the economy, but um, their feelings about the economy had had grown uh, significantly better. And the same was true uh, in November 2020 and then January 2021. So mm. partisan attitudes do matter a lot. Um, and Republicans are significantly gloomier about the economy than Democrats are. Having said that, one of the things that is striking is that even Democrats have not been as cheery about the economy or even just as you know feeling OK about the economy as um, you might expect. Even Democrats... Uh, a, a high percentage of them have been, you know, feeling not so great and, and independents uh, have been quite gloomy as well. So partisanship clearly matters, but it doesn't explain it all. Um, on the income front, my perception is that just looking at thinking about some of these these polls, there is actually isn't a huge spread. And I actually think one of the things that's quite striking that we could talk about is that the last few years have actually been worse for people at the top of the income spectrum, or let's say the kind of like 80 to 95% of the income spectrum than people at the bottom. Uh, and I actually think that does have something to do with the general kind of negative vibe um, in the economy. Um, so I think that that actually does have an impact, uh, even though it maybe doesn't always quite manifest itself in the polls. I want to bring in some of our listeners to this conversation. Let's go to Janice in Soho. Janice, thanks for calling The Brian Lair Show. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, I just wanted to add on that um, I actually work with a lot of people who are very well set up financially, and there seems to be nothing destroying their um, amounts of money in their bank accounts. I also think that it's in a lot of people's best interest to have what I call they're doing a selective fake news aspect of this. So they don't want anybody else to think that the economy is good. And your guest addressed some of this in the previous comments. So it's in a lot of people's best interest to create this idiotic uh, concept that <laughs> there's been nothing good happening in the economy 
through COVID and since COVID. And this report came out and it is rock solid and they're still treating it like they treat everything else as fake news. And thank you for giving me some time. Janice, thanks for your call. Uh, and James, uh, any reaction to Janet, uh, Janice's comments and, and this idea of how we talk about some of these reports? Is, is the narrative part of what is uh, influencing how people are feeling about it? Yeah. I mean, I think the media narrative is actually has actually had a, a big impact on the way people feel. Uh, and I, and then, you know, the, in, there've been a, a variety of, of polls or surveys that show that people have actually, will actually say things like they've heard uh, twice as many stories about unemployment rising as about, you know, job creation, which makes no sense. I mean, if you think about how many jobs have been created in since January, 2021, and, and even since January, 2022, even after the all the pandemic losses had been recovered. Uh, it it makes no sense. I mean, you'll see sometimes see polls where people will say things like, you know, uh, unemployment is near a, a, a ten year high or whatever, which you know, unemployment is still below four percent and has been as low as three point five percent this year. And I do think there is a media ecosystem that. For whatever reason, and, and you know, some of it is partisanship. Let's say whatever. That's let's call it the Fox News phenomenon or whatever. But it's not just that. I do think there is a media ecosystem that, for whatever reason, has kind of been built a little bit on on negativity and gloom. Um, you know, one of the examples I talk about in a not this piece that I wrote for the Atlantic, but one I wrote. I've written about this subject a few times in the Atlantic because <laughs> it's so striking. Sure. Uh, that I wrote about a few months ago is um, a New York Times headline. That was, uh, I, it was sort of a, a a report on a great, a very good jobs report, and it said uh, something like, you know, the economy doing well, blah 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 blah, and then, but then it said as fears linger, and that was actually the second time the New York Times had used the phrase as fears linger in a headline about the economy in less than <laughs> a year, and so it just felt like a symptomatic thing that there is always this sense. So, you know, I mean, if you look, whatever, last month, I mean, we got the third quarter GDP numbers and the economy grew at 4.9% in the third quarter, which is crazy, you know, this long into a, re- into a recovery. And, and, uh, and yet even then there was, well, but what's the dark side of it? Mm. Um, there's really been, I think, a real hesitancy to accept that, you know, the economy is, not doing in any by any stretch of the imagination perfect, but it's actually pretty good. And you know, the other example of this that I talk have talked about is uh, last fall, last winter, uh, Bloomberg ran a piece that said it has this like uh, forecasting indicator, and it said chance of a recession a hundred percent. And so yeah, so that was another example of uh, basically you know kind of just the expectation is that things are going to go bad. So that I think partly explains why people are seeing everything through whatever the opposite of rose-colored glasses is. I don't know, black-colored glasses. I don't know what the difference is. Some sort of bleak shade. We have a a board full of callers, and we've been <laughs> getting a ton of texts, and I want to read a few of them and, and give you a chance to respond. Um, a lot of people echoing the sentiment that the media is driving a lot of this narrative, that in fact they think that the economy is doing better. One listener writes, I believe that the economy is showing that many of the economists' assumptions and models are being proven wrong. 
but they have to hold on to their erroneous theories and models when examples that higher wages are bad for the economy. Um, I'm not sure if that person suggests that higher wages are bad for the economy. One that I thought was particularly interesting uh, was related to people's 401ks. Uh, This listener writes, I think 401k accounts have taken a beating this year, especially on securities. So seeing those balances decline affects one's perception of wealth. Um, any reaction to that that idea that that yeah, some well, of this the, is is this idea of of what your your future wealth may be impacted by what's happening right now? Well, so two things. One is uh, you know the stock market has actually had a very good year. Last year was 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 grim. Twenty twenty two was really grim, but the stock market in twenty twenty three is now up. I don't know, it's around 15, 16% from the beginning of the year. Uh, and I think since Biden took office, it's up probably around that. I think it's around, I can't remember exactly what it is, but I think it's somewhere between 15 and 20%. So so I do think that if anything, and you know, the stock market had, again, was up 2% yesterday, it's rallying because the inflation number came in so low. And and uh, so I do think that, you know, if anything, that should probably translate into maybe better consumer sentiment numbers going forward. We'll see how that goes. But I do think that I think, again, there's like this legacy of last year when the market was down and people got kind of bummed out. Um, the media thing is is interesting to me uh, because one thing I would say is so one response you'll sometimes get when you when you talk about this stuff is people will say, well, just look around. And my point is actually like, yeah, look around, like go to the mall or go to the airport or, you know, go to the supermarket and you will not see empty uh, aisles and you will not see, you know, empty airports. You will actually have seen over the last eight months packed stores and packed airports and people spending a lot. And that actually has been one of the big drivers for me of of thinking about the fact that, you know, the economy is actually doing well just quite concretely. So sure. like I know what a recession looks like. I know what it looks like when people are really feeling bad. And what happens is people cut back significantly on their spending and they are they are not doing that. So so that's why I think there is something, you know, about the way this the story is being covered that does have an impact. And along those lines, I think one thing that's worth thinking about is that um if you think about the industries that actually have not done great over the last couple of years, uh, they include finance to a certain extent. They certainly include tech, which had a very hard time in 2022 and the beginning of 2023. You'll remember we had those bank failures and the Silicon Valley Bank failed in early 2023. Um, and, uh, you know, the startup kind of economy has sort of had to roll back a little bit. And the media business, you know, we know we're wrestling in the media business with a tough advertising market and digital advertising in particular. And I actually think that has had an impact as well on kind of the broader global perceptions of the economy, because media, tech, finance, these are very influential industries in terms of how people generally see the economy, the media, obviously. So I'm not surprised that some of the kind of negativity that people in those industries feel about their own businesses has kind of seeped more generally into the broader views of of the economy. James, before uh, I let you go, we started this conversation um, and I played a little clip from the House yesterday passing that stopgap measure to avoid a government shutdown According to CNN, the bill would extend funding until January 19th for priorities, 
including military construction, veterans affairs, transportation, housing, housing, and the energy department. Uh, so that is a crisis averted, at least for now. <laughs> for now um, yeah. But, you know, does it feel like there's always this potential shutdown with the fact that this potential for a shutdown continues to loom? You know, how does it impact the feelings of the the economy or even voters' impressions of the stability of our government? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think it has an impact. I do think this sense of kind of lurching from crisis or almost crisis to the next almost crisis uh, has an impact just generally on the way we feel about the economy, the way we feel about the country and the like. And, you know, we went through the whole debt ceiling crisis earlier this year uh, that was, you know, averted at the last minute. Uh, this is a little bit different. This is not about the debt ceiling. This is a continuing resolution to to fund the government. But, yep. you know, it's basically coming from uh, the same place. And, yeah, I, I think this whole general sense of kind of unease and anxiety that people feel is I think it permeates our view of of sort of the economy and and I would say one other thing which is I actually think that in that's part of why the rise in inflation was so unsettling to people is just that it was you know it felt new we hadn't dealt with it in a long time and I think also there's something about inflation that that makes people feel like things are a little bit out of control mm. and um and I think it just, again, contributes to this kind of general sense of oh, something's off. And I think that that explains some of what people are really expressing when they say, I'm much worse off than I was, you know, two years ago, even though you probably aren't much worse off. Than you <laughs> James, thank you so much for joining me. We're going to leave it there for now. My guest has been James Sirwicky, contributing writer to The Atlantic and the author of The Wisdom of Crowds. We really appreciate you joining us this morning. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks. Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.